0: you know what i've learned more again in the last 6 to 8 weeks than i've probably learned in the last couple of years mm. um i think you know hopefully we all have good and bad it's a it's a time to just learn and actually as well it's a bit like being a start again which i yeah, like yeah. Yeah. i really like that i feel now like this has happened and i'm kind of more of a wartime leader than a peacetime leader um, <laughs> okay. um, i kind of feel now that's it we can sort of rally the troops um and um yeah we you know we we can learn and it's kind of us against the world again and you know with with jules and i it was always jules and i against the world so i kind of feel like now it's up to us to sort of go out and really think and while so many of the brands are in disarray and not sure what to do and and also there's all the doom and gloom and all the moaning and stuff there's, there's loads of positives you just gotta look for them
1: Welcome to episode 235 of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex. And on this week's show, it's my pleasure to welcome Al Barrett, CEO and co founder of Grenade. So, a couple of interesting uh, parallels here. Literally, the day that I chatted to Al for this, it was 10 years to the day that they started Grenade, that they rocked up to the NEC in a tank where nobody knew them and then spent the last 10 years building up um, what's talked about being the next billion dollar uh, UK business so um, also literally a a year to the week that I chatted to Al's wife Juliet and co-founder of grenade for this very podcast literally it was the uh 7th of May, something like that. Uh, I did check it out earlier, so that's pretty interesting. Um but look this is this is great fun um really interesting chat um calling it pulling the pin on the pandemic but we cover all sorts of things as you could imagine and we open up to a QA uh with our live audience Uh, which I've been recording for the Festival of Enterprise as well as you know by now. So up to something crazy now, like 90 uh, live interviews and I'm gonna be hand selecting those that I think are particularly relevant to you, uh, the Screw It, Just Do It audience. And and this is obviously one of them. I met up with Al for the first time that we've been in touch for, got connected on LinkedIn for a while. I met up with him for the first time at my Entrepreneur Summit in the autumn of last year. Uh, and Al being the legend that he is, flew down in his own plane uh, down here to with Juliet uh, to um, host and speak at the event as well. Brought it to a close for us. Uh, which was which was amazing his parents as you hear live locally in uh, near Bournemouth in the Bournemouth area uh, so he pinged down for the night and um, spoke to you guys there so those of you who made it down so those of you who don't know uh, the grenade story where the hell have you been um, started a business in the last recession 10 years ago we just £30 pounds in the bank. Products are now sold in 80-plus countries. Uh, in 2000, 2017, they had a valuation of £72 million. Pounds. And as I say, they're now being talked of as becoming the next billion uh, dollar brand. So their story is an exciting one, uh, without a doubt. Um as I say, we are pulling the pin on the pandemic during this episode. And maybe one day, you know, that's a bit of a, a pun on um, Al's own podcast that Grenade, which is called Pulling the Pin. And maybe one day I'll be a guest on Al's podcast talking about all things podcasting. You never know. Um, you know, there's. Really interesting opening uh, to this podcast. You'll hear me manage to get from mutual friend of ours, James Haskell, former England and British Lion rugby player um, and contestant on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here as well, that we had a number one ranked podcast from last year, uh, again, nearly a year ago. And You can hear Chloe, his uh, wife, giggling in the background as as he records the question that I put to Al, um, and then Al's response is uh, pretty illuminating, shall we say. Uh, But look, without further ado... um, I am uh, going to move into this episode and, and chat to out Before I do, just a quick one to say, um, do go to a brand new website that I've just launched called podpreneur.co.uk. Um, have a look around there. Give me your feedback. As always, this podcast is free. All I ask you to do is to pay the fee, which is to tell somebody else about the show who doesn't know about it. That's how we can grow this show organically. We don't pay for ads. We don't pay for sponsorship um, for this show. We just rely on you the screw it, just do it community to grow the show alongside us. So tell someone about it if you felt you've got value from this episode. And I can't imagine anyone who can't get any value from this episode. So that should be tens of thousands of you now in 140 plus countries um, telling someone about it. Easiest way to tell someone about it um, is, you know, easiest way to get hold of me is leave a review for the show. Scroll down to reviews and ratings and drop me a note there. Let me know what you thought of the show. That means more people will get to see and hear of this show. Without further ado, screw it, just do it. This is Al Barrett. We are pulling the pin on the pandemic. I'm going to start off, tell me if you can hear this loud and clear. I'm going to just go play a little clip that somebody sent me at 10 o'clock last night, to be fair to them, I will say, not just him, but to them. So let me know if you can hear this loud and clear. I'm going to put it by the speaker. am going to turn the volume right up. So this is like the first question, I guess. Here we go.
0: Yeah, ask him about... Um... Is it possible for him ever just to speak a normal sentence without making really, really crap jokes? And if, that, if you want something more serious, ask about the giant hot air balloon that he thought was a good idea to purchase, <laughs>
2: along, with the, along with the tank and his other, uh, other mad schemes that he wants to get involved with. <laughs>
0: I've got a question back for James Haskell, who clearly <laughs> that was. <laughs> um, Can ask him why he's such a massive wanker? Tell him to shave that beard as well. That beard's ridiculous. He <laughs> <massive>. didn't <laughs> Um, yeah, it looks like Hagrid from Harry Potter. <laughs> That's a good one. He's like, like a low-end Hagrid. Actually, yeah, I'll let, let's say he's a low-end Hagrid. He actually said I look like Mr Bean on gear, um, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, ask him about his cheese story. Ask him his favourite cheese. And if he would rather eat cheese or have sex with his wife... <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> Isn't it? It's gonna get. It's gonna get very personal. It is. Ask yeah. yeah. question. He gave him you get two. You give it a bit. back. <laughs> yeah, Chloe Brie, Chloe Brick. Oh, ooh, ooh. yeah. Uh, Red Leicester.
1: <laughs> James, that's coming back at you. I'm gonna record that and send that as a VM. You actually have to answer that question. I forgot what the question was now. Uh, hot air balloon. Hot air
0: balloon. Yes. So, uh, being made at the minute, it's pretty much done. The pandemic has not stopped us making a giant grenade branded hot air balloon, which I think is going to be the, the tank of the, the 2020s, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, it's
1: quite sexy. Uh, how is it what? I thought he was insinuating you'd failed when it came to the hot air balloon. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: Um, well, it hasn't taken off yet. We've, well, we've succeeded in making it. We haven't succeeded in flying it. So right. maybe that's two separate things. Maybe we should do a flight in it first and then judge success on whether or not we, we survive. I have actually, statistically, I can't die in an aviation accident. That's, that's a fact because I've already been in one. So, ah, yes. chances of being in more than one, um, well, I've never been in a hot air balloon crash, but have been in a plane crash. So, chances of being in more than one, I've thought it's pretty slim. Um, I not you've been in a plane crash. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that was uh, yeah, late 90s, flying back. For, I wasn't flying. I learned to fly after that. Because yeah. one thing that you want to do when you're in a plane that's crashing is to learn how to fly one. Um, luckily, the guy who was, I was flying with didn't know how to fly one, and he safely landed it in a potato field in Aston Cantlow. And clearly, I wasn't killed, but I was obviously severely brain damaged. So, um, yeah, ye- years later, then we developed grenade. But yeah, so that's that's my plane
1: crash story. Wow, which, myself. I never knew that. I mean, I, I, fl- I mean, listened to my podcast. That's been on my podcast, has it? I missed yeah, that. I, I think that. Actually, do you know, it might not have been actually. You know I me. Mean? I never talk about myself. No, never. So let's talk about <laughs> as, as it happens today is ten years to the day that you rocked up. With your tank. Was it at the NEC at the Body Power? Yeah, NEC, Body Power.
0: We were absolutely skint. We got about, well, we'd started with 500 quid. We got about 27 quid. We spent 12 pounds of that on two T-shirts, which I still have. I'm not sure Jules would still have hers, but I've definitely still got mine. Um, 12 quid on two T-shirts. And then we stood there with a tank and a product, not really knowing what to do, but you know, we had a really good product and a brand that, you know, we liked. So hopefully others would. Um, and, yeah, we rocked up with a 17-tonne uh, Abbott self-propelled gun, drove it into the NEC, set all the smoke detectors off because it was billowing smoke. God knows what they were running it on. Um, and, yeah, that was 10 years ago to the day. So quite a lot's <laughs> happened since then. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I, we were obviously talking uh, before before we started. And if anyone has seen that picture, it's on LinkedIn and it's on my Insta but it does look like I'm wearing exactly the same clothes today. I'm not, but they are, they are similar. Well,
1: show us the shorts then. Yes, bit, well, this
0: is our, this is our sort of latest grenade T-shirt, so it's kind of got the black and not the orange. And then literally, I've, I'm still wearing camo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so different camo shorts from back then, but we were just saying that clearly my dress sense was shit then. It's shit now and it's not changed in 10 years, but at least I'm consistent.
1: <laughs> you are consistent if nothing else. Consistency and- is key if nothing else. And I don't know. You probably haven't even had time at the. I mean, we've all got time on the hands at the moment. But as we were saying, uh, you know, off air, um, never been busier. Have you actually taken the time? Are you going to take the time over the over the weekend to actually kind of reflect back on things? And, and does that seem a lifetime ago or yesterday?
0: Oh, it's going to be a crap answer. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, a, a bit of both. I mean, it does seem like a long time ago because so much has happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know in again I remember the day so vividly yeah, it, it could have been yesterday um, we're not, I'm not very good at taking the time to reflect on things and I should do um, but at this weekend actually I'm working I've got some of the team coming over and they're bringing over some new flavours of energy drinks and we're again we're having a socially distanced NPD uh, session which we've been yeah. doing, because some of this stuff just has to carry on so uh, we've got a bit more space here to spread out than, than at the office and again we probably, we might try and have a uh, cleverly spaced out socially distanced Gym session as well, kind of taking it in turns and, and stuff. Because I'm quite lucky; I've got a very extensive gym here. Um, the guys right, I was to yeah. train for seven weeks, and they're. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them actually. You can see them every day on Zoom. I, um, yeah. I, I, miss, I do miss seeing the team face to face. It's. it's uh, I, I do miss that.
1: And, and um, how many of the team have you have you got? Is it something like around a hundred? Am I right there? And, and when when things happened, how, how did you react?
0: Uh, so there's there'd be about there's about 72 of us uh, in the UK we've got a bigger team than obviously there's more in, in the US and uh we've got uh, two people in the UAE um I and mean, we yeah, we've got a few overseas but yeah UK um, sort of 70 72 um and and again when it when it happened i mean it wasn't a huge surprise uh, you know this the, the right this was kind of from uh, you know, obviously, early January, this was this was newsworthy and and potentially sort of spreading. So, mm. um, yeah, we 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 did kind of plan probably from late Feb. Uh, we sort of. We, we planned for the, for the worst of, of a, you know, potential outbreak. I'm, I'm quite lucky now. There's lots of uh, people in the team, far cleverer than I am, do t- tend to plan for this sort of stuff. So, you know, everyone had obviously got, you know, laptops and can set up from home. And a lot, most people at Grenade are, are working from home in some way, shape or form anyway. Um, yeah. You know, we never really call it work-life balance. We call it sort of work-life blend. Um, yeah. Lots of stuff is happening on a Saturday night and a Sunday. So, I think you know generally people who are working at Grenade kind of always working if that makes sense. So mm. um yeah, it wasn't a huge shock, obviously not ideal. Um, but the team have done brilliantly with it, absolutely brilliantly with it. Um, you know, no no one would have ever wished this situation on any country and certainly you know on, on our country. But I do think, I know this is obviously the topic for today, but I do think that um we've we've got an amazing opportunity here to have a bit of a reset. Yeah. Both, uh, I don't want to get all holistic, but, you know, definitely for the, for the planet, um, as individuals, businesses, you know, you've, you've got a, a free pause button here. Um, and like I said, you know, we would never have wished it at all. It could happen to any of us. But I think while we're in it now, we have to try and make the most of it and learn. And actually, I put a, a comment on um, LinkedIn uh, a couple of days ago, I think, uh, which actually everyone's loved. I wish I've trademarked it. And I just said, you know, 20, 2020 will be the year that we lost a year. But mm. gained a lifetime of perspective. I like um, that. I saw think. that. Yeah. Do you know what? I have learned more again in the last six to eight weeks than I've probably learned in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, I think you know, hopefully we all have good and bad. It's a it's a time to just learn. And actually, as well, it's a bit like being a startup again, which I yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. I feel now like this has happened. And I'm kind of more of a wartime leader than a peacetime leader. I kind of feel now, that's it. We can sort of rally the troops um, and, um, yeah, we, you know, we, we can learn. And it's kind of us against the world again. And, it, you know, with, with Jules and I, it was always Jules and I against the world. So I kind of feel like now it's up to us to sort of go out and really think. And while so many of the brands are in disarray and not sure what to do, and, and also there's all the doom and gloom and all the moaning and stuff, there's, there's loads of positives. You
1: just got to look for them. No, I totally agree. And I almost felt, had these moments of feeling guilty um, during like the last six weeks because I have taken so many positives from it. Um, yeah. Same as you, but I didn't articulate it quite so well in a, in a LinkedIn article. But I definitely have taken that time to, to reflect and kind of remap out how like, you know, my work-life blend or balance wants to be and uh, you know, different vision of the future from, from what I'm doing. Um, being like mass- massive positives to be honest with you and you almost feel guilty about it some of the time because you know I kind of got away from switching on the news now and then less of social media scrolling because that just, just kind of reinforces the the negative yeah uh, Agenda that the media seem to have of rehashing these stories with a negative spin, and they love it, don't they? Honestly,
0: don't don't get me started. But uh, you know they love it, and all this talk about the app and and and, uh, trialing of this app and whatever. We've got one. There's three million subscribers. I've been I've been updating this app for the last six weeks, seven weeks. and, and I don't know. They've not mentioned it. I mean, in fact, the news I don't think I've ever mentioned this app at all once. Someone invited me to this app about six, seven weeks ago. Like in the first week, yeah. and, um, one of the hospitals in London had, had, had done it, um, and it was a bit clunky. They've refined it quite a lot. But yeah, it takes two seconds. You go in, you report that you're well. They know where you are geographically, mm. and actually, it's really important that okay, they know who's sick, but also they know who isn't. So uh, yeah, you report you're well, and if you. Had a test or not had a test, and I haven't had a test because I'm up nil. So you report that, it takes five seconds, and there's three million people doing that, and they've wow. reported on that once. No. I don't get that. It's like they really want the doom and gloom, and I've got a horrible feeling as well that because mass market media and newspapers, the big media organizations, have really been struggling and declining over the last few years. Yeah. I kind of get the impression they're loving this, and they're just absolutely clinging on for dear life Yeah, while they've probably got so many – consumers watching the news. I think they're wasting it. They're wasting the opportunity.
1: They are because they could put a completely different Spin on it, agree with you, but they're all you know, and by individuals who've got their own agenda as well, aren't they? So I mean, yeah, we could we could go down that road <laughs> for quite a while, couldn't we? But, uh, there's,
0: there's so many things. I mean, you know, I get. I was saying yesterday, and, and and I think, and I did I did a LinkedIn post about this as well. Actually, I think again, a lot of the the, the, the um, questions from journalists have just been absolutely appalling. Uh, you know, the government, far from perfect, I've done a great job. I've yeah. done a bad job. I think they have done the best job they could do in yeah, the time. Bearing in mind they had this thrown at them, and again, who'd want that job? So, yeah. yes, it's very easy to stand and criticise, and especially with hindsight, because with hindsight, we all would have won the lottery last weekend, wouldn't we, because we'd done the numbers. Mm-hmm. So, people yeah. actually forget um, that some of this stuff, you know, takes time. And, and, and there was a journalist that popped up last week, and, and how, I can't remember who was answering the questions, but if it had been me, I'd have just walked off. Um, they were criticising them for building the Nightingale Hospital, so they're not being used.
1: Anything? Yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a stupid question. Then yeah. the next one, because again, if we had not built them and then the NHS have yeah, been and over, a heavy them, then,
1: wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So and, uh, the, the next question I think was um, oh, yeah, what exact time and date did we pass the peak? And if anyone says, else says, when's lockdown going to end? Yeah. I'd have just said, oh, yeah, June the 7th at three o'clock in the afternoon. Is that convenient? I mean, I'm, you know, just absolutely stupid questions that they yeah. don't know the answers to. Yeah, um, yeah, that has that's been really poor. I think to be fair, and I, I've noticed a bit of a shift the last few days. The media seem to be being a little bit nicer. Mm. They're getting quite a lot of criticism criticism for it because they've just they've just
1: been hated. And, yeah, right. You know, rightly so. To be honest with you, um, I don't know if you've seen. I, I saw a load of friends posting.
2: And was it a load
0: of friends,
1: Alex, or was it one friend? One. One friend. No, a cu- couple and of Irish know, friends posting. Air lingers. Friend, I mean, friend. Packed, packed with passengers. And I was saying, you it got quite closely connected to the aviation industry. Have you seen any of those as well? And I was just thinking, I don't think anyone was flying at the moment. Oh,
0: it's so yes. So you seen my post from yesterday? <laughs> um my LinkedIn posts are coming legendary. Yeah, I don't really understand this. Um with uh, and I can't remember the the, the the exact um post. So you refer to the Aer Lingus flights with yeah.
1: our- I was a few people post that and I was just like, I don't think anyone was actually flying at the moment, apart from like I rescue think- flights and stuff like that.
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's still probably certain flights, if you look for them, um, I because I, I think yeah, 90% of all traffic is grounded. I can't quite – I mean, I get the repatriation flights mm. are yeah, absolute necessity. Yeah, I don't get the commuting flights between – I think that was between Belfast and London, wasn't it, or something yeah. in London. Uh, I, I don't get that at all. I don't get how that's allowed, because obviously you can't socially dis- distance on the plane because it's pointless. I don't know how that's okay. And if you wanted to book a flight, you could get one, and you can fly around the world. Um, I, you know, I, I'm into aviation, as you know. So I've got a pilot and a plane, a pilot's license. Uh, I tried to fly some hand sanitizers and medical stuff some masks bits and bobs down to my elderly parents who was um, self-isolating in Bournemouth yeah. um, and just some some um, food supplies and um, stuff for them to stock up on and you know that would have involved me flying from Gloucester to Bournemouth which is like a 27 minute flight mm. I have to book in both sides because you have to file the flight plan and um, they said you know it's not an essential trip if you want to go we'll have to phone the police and we're not going to let you land no okay um but i thought you could travel for medical reasons to support vulnerable people oh well yeah but you you can you get someone else to do it? So well, there isn't anyone else um so you know i'm going either way i'm either flying or driving yeah oh, well you have to drive well well, that's statistically not as safe as flying anyway um they uh basically yeah, that wasn't allowed so in the end i just drove down
1: did you yeah
0: um, yeah that took me six hours rather than half an oh. hour um, you know. the, the, the reason was that um, and this is me flying solo so and I've got the keys to the hangar so I would turn up to an empty hangar let myself in get my plane out doesn't need any fuel fly there leave it at the other end of my parents see no one and fly back and drive yeah. home not see a single soul that's not allowed but you can jump on a plane with 300 strangers and then walk straight through Heathrow and not get checked at all from another country. I don't get that at all. That's
1: just nuts, isn't it? Um,
0: and there's so many, and I, mean, I don't want to rant at the government, but there's just so many inconsistencies yeah, yeah. that don't make any sense. So you know, I can't fly solar, but you can fly in a home for people. Um, and yeah, there's 15,000 people a day walking through Heathrow unchecked um, as of yesterday and bear in mind, they've been checked at other points on their route, but no one's been checked in the UK. They're sort of talking about it now. But yeah. I can't go for a walk with a neighbour.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, In this park. You can't meet anything else from outside. I, I don't get why you can do one and you can't do the other. I, I would hope I'm fairly intelligent so I can work this stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, just talking about the fact, just let the British public make their own mind up. Maybe that's more dangerous.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but, but I think now over the next few weeks, people are just going to start to make, hopefully, just sort of sensible decisions for them I, to I think so because yeah. Um, yeah. you know yeah. I've sort of I've interacted with no one so if I've interacted with no one over the next few weeks why can't I interact with someone else who's yeah, with no one yeah. um, because we can't be locked up forever no, no,
2: um, no, no,
0: no it doesn't no, make, no. make any sense um, so yeah the, the airline ones are really uh, really frustrating one I think we might have something harsher quicker mm-hmm. I've got so many kind of authoritarian type regimes not naming any <laughs> uh, around the yeah. world um, don't upset the other countries again um but uh have actually really locked down the population quickly and mm. quite aggressively
1: yeah
2: and
0: that's probably worked better than us kind of being a bit wishy-washy about it
1: yeah yeah um so we you um was bournemouth airport open then essentially you could literally just fly down i didn't know your parents were down here actually
0: yeah oh yeah but yeah um as of today i, I don't know i suspect um Again, I guess if you book in with a flight plan. But again, having having that reason, um, I guess so. Gloucester is shut this end, but I can get sort of permission. Um, I can use Gloucester when closed. I've got I've got like an insurance liability to do that. Um, mm. But again, you've got to sort of a really good reason. Yeah, I can't take off. I can't land the other end. So. Um, yeah. Again, like, you know, I've done, it's, it's not a first-world problem, um, but it's just this is just some of the stuff that's actually going on. And I think, you know, one of the reasons, like I said, they, they said you couldn't fly down was if you have an accident, you need emergency services.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I get that, but you could say about anything, couldn't you? You could. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, and also, I think, you know, waste of police time. Yeah, I get that, granted. But I think that was the specific week that the police were policing aisles in supermarkets near me, telling consumers what they could and couldn't buy. <laughs> Which I don't really understand either. I don't want to really get
2: that know. either. No. Their
0: time because if you're in the shop and it's open, sure, you can buy what you want.
2: Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Yeah,
0: can't, can't buy a can't buy a cat basket. It's not essential. <laughs> um, I didn't try and buy a cat basket, but that was an. Yeah. example I saw online somebody was buying a, a cat, and I got absolutely berated didn't know on social media. And you just think, which well, is in the shop? It's open. Who cares?
1: <laughs> Who does care? Yeah. Who does care?
2: You buy a
0: bridge. You can't buy a cat basket.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I've seen, like, Bournemouth, all we've seen is, like, pictures down here at the airport, like, BA and Virgin have just, like, parked a load of their planes there. They have, yeah, yeah, Loads, yeah. absolutely loads of them.
0: Yeah, when I went down, I went down, actually, the last time I flew in there, I think it was mid, uh, just early March, I think. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, there were loads of Virgin planes lined up, so I got the engines sort of spinning. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're parking them there because I was not flying, and they've got to park them somewhere. Mm. And I guess it's cheaper to park them at Bournemouth than, uh, than Gatwick. Yeah. Uh, so they've got they've got to line those up there but also as well on, on another note I know that this will apply to people with the likes of MOTs things like MOTs you know an aircraft has its MOTs it's called its annual and it's like a three to four week piece of work that's done every year and they basically strip the entire plane down and rebuild it again mm. and it's quite critical for safety uh, all that's gone out the window doesn't matter now don't worry about that really like MOTs I don't worry about it but think aren't these quite important so if They are or they aren't. But you can't say yet to critically have this stuff done normally and then now it doesn't matter. I I don't understand that either. Um, You know, these things have to be kind of flown and used because otherwise it makes them quite dangerous. I can just see lots of planes plummeting from the skies in the next two years because they weren't serviced. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because
0: they're not allowed because it's not essential.
1: You obviously must have seen the the news, uh, Virgin Atlantic, like my old boss, Richard, and good friend of yours, and I... Seen that spent a spare, fair bit of time with him, you and Jules over the years. What what are your thoughts on that? I mean, everyone's got their problems at this time, but that's like quite a when you're in travel to that much with a travel company, an airline, a cruise line, a hotel business, it's like wow. They do. And do you know what?
0: I feel I do feel um, I feel sorry for him actually. Uh, and I'm I'm probably gonna be really unpopular for saying this, but
1: no, I'm the same but, mate.
0: I'm I'm I, I, I you know, I know, I know Richard well. I mean, you'll know that um, you know, he's one of the nicest, kindest, hardworking people you'd ever meet. Uh, and I say that, absolutely, you know, genuinely from bottom of my heart, he's lovely. Um, I've seen how he is with his staff and the, the stuff he does for charity and the money he gives and all these talks he gives, all the money goes to Virgin Unite. doesn't have yeah. to do any of that at all. Um, and, yes, he lives in the BDR and he's lived there for decades because he likes it there and he's a resident there. And if we were all him, we'd all probably be living there, living there as well because the weather's amazing. It's nothing to do with tax dodging or whatever. That might be an element of it. Um, but, he, um, but in terms of you know, all his businesses, I know, pay tax in the, in, the, in the countries that they are. There's this big thing about him suing the NHS, which yeah, is kind of true, but he had no choice because that particular NHS trust was corrupt. And he had the best bid, didn't win. He knew he had the best bid or suspected he had the best bid. And they mm-hmm. gave it to someone else, which was hundreds of millions more.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: the only way he could flush that out was by threatening to sue them. And the minute he threatened to sue them, they caved and, and, and paid out. And he then used that money and gave it back to the NHS. So he exposed the scam right. and then gave it back to the NHS but all people see that with the tabloids is,
1: oh, Richard Brunson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: You
0: know, so they just, it's just, this is the, the thing I hate about social media. It's an absolute platform for idiots that just don't know, um, you know, the actual facts or aren't interested in the facts. I mean, again, the amount of people, again, yeah, yeah, he should use his own money to bail out his own airline. Uh, yeah, he actually kind of did in the sense, I think he put $250,000 of his own money in, which I think was proportionately, Way more of the airline than he owned, mm. um, so put in as much of his own money as he could. And, and I know people are going, Oh, he's a billionaire and he needed a few hundred million. He's only a billionaire because of shares in a lot of these businesses that, as you know, now are pretty much worthless. You know, yeah. he probably couldn't sell Virgin Atlantic for a tenner,
2: no, 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 no. if he no, you tried. Won't. Yeah, so that
0: billion pound fortune was now a tenner, so you can't buy yourself out with money that you borrowed of yourself that you don't have. Mm. Um, so the, the assets he does have, you know, like Necker again, he offered as collateral, and I, and I assume that you know he wanted a loan off the government. Or, you know, didn't get one, so yeah. no choice but to make all the staff redundant. Um, yeah, I mean, we and, uh, real shame. And, and I can see both sides. You know, there there are a lot of kind of wealthy people out there that you know aren't putting the hand in the pocket when you know, that they can. Maybe there's an element to that with Richard. You know, I, I, I don't know, but as far as I can tell from what I've seen. Uh, you know, he did he did sort of more than enough, and I hate to see actually genuinely nice people just get berated uh, by the media. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of like you know the thoughts on sort of the, the Virgin um, Network and stuff, I know quite a lot of the um, the Virgin team and Virgin United. You know as you will, um, mm-hmm. they're just some of the nicest people I've ever met. I feel really sorry for that you know the whole situation, and I cannot think of anyone who would have had a worse business portfolio. I know oh, than him. I mean. Yeah just put $3 billion into two or three cruise ships.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: That are either not built or sat there empty. So, I mean, again, hotels, all empty. Brutal.
2: Not flying.
0: Yeah. Not flying. Um, Oh, but just must go on and on and on. I mean, God, just, again, actually, that's there's, there's a learning for you. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. In this case, you know, leisure and travel.
1: That's right.
0: Um, Who would have thought global travel would stop to this extent?
1: I know, literally shut down, uh, you know, and you think of the size of like the Emirates fleet or something like that, just all yeah. just parked like, up, just, just insane, isn't
0: it? Um, I do think there was one, well, again, this might be sort of probably fairly unpopular as well, but I did see that there were, um, you know, sort of, I think 900 airlines uh, as of, pretty much now and then I think by the end of June they're expecting about 300 global airlines something like that some of these airlines to be honest like any business were far too fragile yeah. I mean I couldn't survive the first two days of this I mean it, right. it was not a it just wasn't a viable business
2: mm. um,
0: and it should be we live on an island so I can't quite work out what's gone on there. I suspect over the years, there's been so much debt shoehorned into that business that it just couldn't possibly pay the debt back that it was in. Mm. Um, otherwise, I can't imagine uh, you know, why uh, that, that, that wasn't doing well. But I did see a comment at the time when Flybe, um, uh, unfortunately, shut. And the, um, the cost of uh, flight... Um, from sort of you know Bristol to Manchester or something like that was like a third of the price of the cost of a train ticket.
1: No, really.
0: Um, and you just think well, that doesn't sound right. Doesn't and sound actually, right yeah. You're sort of one of the pilots, and you think, hmm, I wonder why this business hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, go on the train and pay two hundred quid, or I can sort of I can fly up there, and it takes twenty minutes. Not, it's a tenner. Yeah. And you just think, wouldn't you pay more than that? But I, I think, unfortunately, over the last few years, with all the budget airlines, it's really instilled in people, they do not want to pay for flights. And I think it's in, it's encouraged a lot of kind of almost commuting between countries. Yeah. Just for just silly amounts of money, like 10 quid, and all these flights around the world for, you know, 10, 20 quid. Um, and I just, I know that people want to get to places cheaply, but it's absolutely killing the planet. Mm. Um, and, you know, to fly plane loads of people around for a few hundred quid just doesn't really make any sense. Um, So, you know, could that have continued? Probably not. With the situation that we're in now, I think it's going to go back to probably air travel again, being less frequent and a bit more expensive. But maybe yeah. that's
1: not a bad thing. No, um, I was ch- chatting to somebody last week who's was a global business Um and a VC fund as well. And, and he was saying, you know, I, I used to fly, you know, to one to a different continent for one meeting. And he goes, if that brings that to a stop, then that's one positive that's come out of this because that's just ridiculous. You know,
0: yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and to be honest as well, while we're talking transport. I, I still can't understand why HS2 is going ahead. I couldn't yeah. understand what was going ahead at all. Again, 110 billion and it's going to shave 10 minutes off a train journey. And wouldn't you blanket Wi-Fi and decent phone signal? Mm. Um, I actually said at the time, blanket with 5G, but I've probably changed my mind on that one. Um, <laughs> but but certainly, you know, I, I live in Stratford-upon-Avon and work in Solihull, and it's an hour's drive. It's 30 miles, and I cannot get a phone signal end to end. It'll drop out in three or four places, and I can't understand that for, like, one of the, the fifth biggest economy in the world, and you, you I can't make a phone call anywhere. just <laughs> you know, are going to hundred billion on HS2. I don't want to jump on a train. I want to make a phone call.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So oh, I find that strange decision as well, especially for all the damage it's doing to the countryside and, and, and ripping all that up forever. And I also can't stand, again, prior to all this, why so many smaller airfields were closing as well, because once that infrastructure's gone, it's gone. You know, We're an island, and I think we've learned from this that you know we've actually got to start being a bit more self-sufficient mm-hmm. um, because we're f- I, know, I know it's a very you know global economy now, but we are far too reliant on uh, other countries, many of whom we don't particularly
1: trust. Well, even when it uh, when it was talking about um, fruit picking, wasn't it? And I was just like, I can't believe that there isn't a workforce in this country to actually pick our own bloody fruit.
0: There must be. It's just nuts. And, yeah, there must be. And, and, okay. and I, 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 I asked them actually about this fairly locally because I live sort of near the Vale of Eversham. And, um, and I was actually, fruit pickers are really good. They earn really good money. But, you yeah, maybe people would rather be sat at home and not doing anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's flying exactly. yeah. thousands of migrant workers. It just doesn't seem like a very sensible thing to do. Um, and especially when people have been worried about where food is and been, you know, food shortages, whether it's Brexit or, or COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, I think what, what's happened over you know, the last couple of months is everything has been here food wise. It's just all in the wrong place. They yeah. have got that food, but it's not picked or, you know, or, I mean, at one stage there were, no, there were no eggs or there were eggs, but all of the the eggs, for instance, that were going to the hotel and restaurant industry were all closed, you know, needed to go to the shops, but there were no boxes because they were in trays and there were no boxes to put them in sixes. And it's just like all these little logistical things. But it's amazing, isn't it, how there's been this huge war on plastic over the last five, 10 years and rightly so. And all that's gone out the window.
1: Yeah, 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 it has, isn't it?
0: Disposable gloves and masks and stuff. Imagine when they start popping up in the oceans in the next few years. we have got two trillion disposable gloves, weren't there in there in the sea?
1: You're right. Um, right, I've got ridiculous amount of questions, which you'll we'll never get through, but I will I will dip into them. Um, Nikki's just, and I will go back, guys. Thank you for all your questions. Appreciate it uh nikki's asked a few and this one just ties in with what you just said actually she says do you think this crisis will have boosted preference for locally sourced ingredients and i saw a picture of your garden actually i think it was with the lavender or not, not no lavender anymore
0: uh yeah i do actually and I, i've got a veg garden at home um and i just to sort of give you some context of the story i live next door to a farm now but 15 years ago um when i First, bought a house next to a farm, a different house. I quite liked how self-sufficient they were, just like having wood burners and you know growing fruit and veg and, and things like that. Um, I'm really into health, obviously, and I just like the fact that you could be sort of a bit more self-sufficient. And then, um, you know, when I came over to, to Stratford, and again, could have a veg garden, have log burners. It's quite a modern, techie house. I've got you know super fast broadband and all that stuff, but I just like some of the old school stuff that just works. So I've, um, I've got a generator here, so we get a few power cuts, but then it, you know, it's still got the electric. But also I like the fact that I've just got like a wood burner and I can go everything. and I can light it with a match and it works and I'm warm. You know, so when your central heating packs up, which it does from time to time as people do, this stuff quite, quite works. And yeah, from a self-sufficient food perspective, um, quite lucky. So I've got a gardener here and like a little um, sort of a veg patch. And as soon as this kicked in and I got a huge lavender bed, Which was just coming to the end of its life. Anyway, we're talking about what to put in there. I said, actually, let's just fill it full of veg because at least then we can give it away in the local area. Got lots of elderly and vulnerable people around here, so I've been there's been a lot of lettuce at the moment. So I've been taking lettuce around to neighbours who are probably secondly turning up with lettuce. Um, But yeah, any excuse not to go to the shops. And I just like eating stuff that's been grown here, that's not been sprayed with anything. It's got zero food miles and. Um, you know, rather than probably having a lettuce that was, uh, you know, maybe grown somewhere in Eastern Europe and has been picked early and flash frozen and driven all the way across Europe and then to pop on my table, you can just avoid all of that. Yeah. So, um, and actually, when you've had stuff that's just freshly grown at the ground, and it's really simple and cheap and easy to do, it's quite therapeutic. Um, once you've had that, as well, you don't really want shop bought stuff because it doesn't taste anything.
1: No, no, it, it doesn't t- water, doesn't it, I find. It, yeah, really it just doesn't, and, just doesn't taste uh,
0: anything. So um, I'd encourage anyone to, to do that. And I think, like I said, we've got to go back to doing some of this stuff because it just it just makes sense to be that bit more self-sufficient, um, definitely. I'm not really very good on relying on other people. I'm an entrepreneur. So I'd just like to know I've got this stuff probably coming um, myself. And like I said, it's just really therapeutic as well.
1: Nice. Uh, Frank says, how are you engaging with shoppers at a time where shopping missions are so different from their normal patterns? Good question.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so yeah, the, the, the best thing about Grenade is the fact that we've got a, a, what well, we had, 100,000 distribution points, 100,000 retailers in the UK selling our product. Um COVID happened and then the worst thing about Grenade was we had (laughs) (laughs) 100,000 who weren't selling our product. Yeah, yeah, that's been really tricky. And again, it hit the supermarkets really hard. So all the footfall is down at the front of the store by about 50%. We have spent loads of time and effort getting our product from the back of the store to the front of the store. The front of the store then was the best place to be. Then it became the worst place to be. All of the sexiest places in the UK that you could think of having FMCG food and drink products, like you know airports and train stations and central London, all became the worst places to have food. They're all shut or or empty. So everything shifted uh, really quickly. Um, To give you context, March was the best month we've ever had. Uh, not the last week of March, but you know March as a whole before this really kicked in, because it sort of it took a while to kind of slow down and stop. Um, you know, April will not have been the best month we we ever had. So you know, huge difference. Um, but uh, keeping the relationships going with the retailers, learning really quickly what shoppers want and what they're doing. Um, a lot of it's always difficult. With all due respect to the retailers to make them get them to make good decisions quickly, because there have been so many spiky, weird sales things that have happened that you know shouldn't have happened and won't won't happen again, that just throws off all their data. So, you know, look at Lou Roll. Someone in 2030 is going to be looking back. Um, <laughs> nine years old now, she doesn't quite know what's going on. They're going to be looking back at 2020, going, March, you know, March 2020. Well, that was a good month for Lou Roll probably won't have any idea why because there's really no, no reason other than everyone panicked so there's all of a sudden you know loo rolls at the front of store and and, and all these weird things happen um the biggest shift we've seen of course now is from consumers going uh, you know buying products in stores and buying you know a bar in store to buying a box online so our web traffic, uh, traffic i think as of yesterday it was like 975 up it's hugely up amazon's hugely up so um all the digital channels uh, massively up, which you'd expect. Yeah. So this has given us the chance actually to focus on you know, customer service and delivery and operational stuff that we always do anyway, but this has really made us focus on it because to give you an example, you know, if we'd have had time to spend on grenade.com or on you know Costa, uh being 3000 Costa coffees, we probably would have all spent the time on Costa. Yeah. Uh, Costa is shut, so we're not spending any time on Costa now, obviously. Uh, we've been able to spend time back on grenade.com um and that's really paying off and I imagine now as well we'll probably keep those consumers that the service level and I just had a, that was actually my call prior to this is with someone um we're talking to just about some other um web development work and uh he does all the biggest companies in the UK and he said actually that the grenade.com service level is the best he's seen in the last month. Um if you order up until midnight on grenade.com and I think it's 25 quid minimum order, you'll get it the next day. Um, Amazon aren't doing that and can't do that. So the the service that we're offering um, for our consumers is sort of pretty spectacular. His words, not mine, although they are mine now. Um, (laughs) So yeah, focus on digital. um, And I would would think that that's probably not going to go away. There's certainly now a lot of behaviour that i don't think will change i think that probably hand sanitizer is going to be here to stay for a long time face mm-hmm. masks are going to be here for 12 months or so maybe longer you always sit yeah. obviously to go out to the far east you know since sars um you know i haven't been in a petrol station for two months i do everything off an app uh and i think actually in future i don't know why i go back in a petrol station now because it's so much easier to do it off the app which, again, kind of causes a problem for me as a brand owner because petrol stations are really sexy real estate for us. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, w- will that uh, come back? Will it drop? You know, just something we've got to be aware of because these these shifts are pretty monumental. Um, and, you know, for me, I find buying fuel off an app now just better and easier because um, I get the paperwork for work and I just email it straight over and there's no bits of paper, there's no receipts, I'm not touching anything, it's quicker. Um, so i would be interesting to see what other consumers um, do. And I, again, I did a post the other day actually about um, only 9% of people want things to return to exactly as they were before, you know, nine. Um, everyone has got a, something now that they probably, when I say prefer at the situation but is better than it was before in some
1: respects. Um, so everyone's got, got, got one of those stories mm. uh, yeah I was chatting to uh, James McMaster from Huel and the uh, same question to you is if you been able to track like how many new customers have you got or how, how much has your um, regular customers increased their order because he was saying we've got a lot of people bringing their orders forward by a month or two months and wanting it now and in, and in more quantities it's tricky for us to track because obviously with Huel it's all you know they haven't got products in stores not, not, not many products in stores so yeah
0: a lot of our consumers we don't know because they buy product through Marks and Spencers or Tesco's or Holland and Barrett oh. or Amazon so we don't really know who they are we just ship to those retailers mm. um, you know, in, in sort of by the lorry load um, so this is something actually now we're learning as consumers probably come to us we're starting to learn who they are I wouldn't know the exact um, number but yeah we'll have, we'll have a huge amount of new customers to grenade.com but they won't be new customers they'll have been buying it from, from somewhere else pretend yeah, yeah. You know, um, a channel that's shut and again this is actually one of the weird frustrations that we had um, prior to, well, just as, as COVID kicked off, was consumers going into stores and, you know, trying to buy three grenade bars and they were told they could only buy two. Yeah. And, and we had really good stocks because we had all of our Brexit um, uh, planning so again and, and we, we, we pulled bars back in as well that would ship to the US and we, we quickly worked out where product was in the wrong place mm. and made sure it was going to be in the right place so we put something on grenade.com just limiting people very quickly just because we, we knew we'd have enough to go around but not if somebody logs in and buys 2,000 boxes you know per person to then yes. resell them and, and whatever so we limited that but yeah there was kind of no need for retailers to to stop consumers buying stuff they genuinely wanted. Um, Mm. But we just kind of got lumped into, you know, everything else uh, that was genuinely restricted. Um, And weirdly, those restrictions are still carrying on. So near me, you know, I still can't buy flour um, for some reason.
2: Really? Uh, Yeah,
0: there's loads of other stuff that is just spilling off the shelves that is short-dated and they're going to be thrown away, Mm. and yet it's still restricted to two per person, which stands not standard. So it's oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. You can't buy three because we'd rather throw it away. Yeah, is what they're saying.
1: Work that one out. They just don't
0: react quickly.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: this is this is just. I know it's harder for bigger businesses, but you know the agility here is such a powerful tool in, in any business arsenal because some of this stuff is not that difficult to work out. You know, you could really um, think this through and, and sort of think where potential pinch points are, just so you can get ahead of them. You know, mm. like product being in the wrong places. You know, there's no point in just having product in the Middle East with all the shores, the stores closed, you're just going to sit in a warehouse, um, you know, so uh, you just have to kind of think things through and make quick decisions, really.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll throw in a, a, a startup-y question from Mark who says, um, we're looking to launch our supplement range next year. Would you advise to white label to start with or look directly at manufacturing our own?
0: Um, uh, Without knowing all specifics, um, it depends if you say by white label. So don't white label a product that uh, from a manufacturer that's making that same product for everyone else in a different label. Um, consumers quit, and, and there are lots of bar companies out there that do this. And there's there's one I won't say who it is, but there's one bar company specifically who have got exactly the same bar as nine of the brands. So I don't I don't know why you'd want that. Mm. Um, we've so come up with something probably custom that's unique to you and i wouldn't suggest that you make it yourself because it depends what your expertise is if you're a great product formulator and manufacturer that's probably what you should do our experience is kind of you know branding and yeah, you know, i hate to say marketing but marketing gets really and making a sort of a, a brand sexy i've got no interest in making products product manufacture. Um, I like designing and creating products and formulating products, but you know, not watching it go whiz past on a you know on a, on a machine that that I own because they break and they're a pain in the ass. Um, and I've got no interest in sort of I love the distribution and watching lorry loads of products go out, but I don't want to own a warehouse in the distribution business because I'm crap at it. Um, we've these are things we've done. We've done all these things, so you know we have had a distribution warehouse. And so what what will happen is. You'll be trying to build your supplement business and you're just going to be sucked into manufacturing issues or distribution issues. And before you know it, no one is working on the brand. You're going to be chasing, finding out where lorries are and why pallets are damaged and things like that. And this is all stuff you can pass on to someone else. You have to surround yourself with people internally and in this case, probably externally who are brilliant at what they do. Um, you know, we've got manufacturers who are brilliant at making bars. We've got a, a, a four PL logistics facility DCS in Banbury who are brilliant at what they do. We just want to do the bit in the middle where we get product made, and then you know we kind of do the stuff that I find sexy, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is you know the the, the brand um, bit, and only we can do that. And if you're the brand founder and brand builder, that is your job. No one can build a brand for you. No one can do your job, so you shouldn't be doing other people's. It's a big, big. Um, uh, common mistake i see people actually make where they especially as you start to try and uh scale up your business they they start kind of recruiting for, for roles or doing roles themselves that they're really bad at um and you should quickly work out what what you're good at that's been the genius of Virgin. you years he's really good isn't he just i always say conducting the orchestra but just not running around playing all the instruments
2: yeah um,
0: when you start a brand you do have to play the instruments to a certain extent mm. uh, you know but that doesn't involve you know Having a manufacturing facility—that's just that's just something you shouldn't probably sink your money into.
2: Yeah,
0: build yeah. them and keep them running, and it's a lot of pressure. I've got a lot of friends that own manufacturing industries, and you know when the, those lines aren't running, it's a bit like planes not flying. You know when lines aren't running, it's costing you money. You have to fill them, um, whereas we can just order what we want when mm-hmm. we want um, and not worry about it.
1: Um, another question. Can you tell us what changes Grenade has made to its comms strategy since the pandemic and any tips for startups working out the best way to market their brand at this time?
0: So would that be sort of comms in terms of social media or um,
1: email marketing, I guess? Yeah, let's go, let's do social media. That's that's a good one. Yeah, I've got a few questions on that. So, yeah.
0: So with socials, I think our social content has pretty much been so sort of broadly the same that it always has been. So... I think because every time you log on, you turn the TV on turn the computer on, there's just the same doom and gloom and, um, you know, corona stuff, which clearly, you know, has got a huge place, but people are getting quite tired of seeing the same stuff. I think it's actually quite nice when you go through social media and you, you see sort of a bit of almost normality yeah. and some stuff that you'd expect to see from grade. Um, so, yeah, one, everyone was immediately going to start doing home workouts. So we have done a few of those, but we knew as well that other brands would potentially do it better. I mean, you know, Joe Wicks, that's his thing, so was always going you know, to adapt quite quickly to that. But, for instance, we had a great piece of custom work. We actually filmed last May with uh, Chloe Maidley at the, at the gym here, um, Body Blast, which actually was an Amazon exclusive, which launched in January on an Amazon Prime. Um, we have got that ready to go, and we'd already launched it. Um, and then, and then rather than say being just an Amazon Prime exclusive, we've kind of rolled that out to a lot of both on socials and also to a lot of um, companies we work with, like you know Tesco and big retailers. We've provided it for all of their staff. It's all free as long as you've got Prime anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shipped all those out, and it was a, it was kind of. Um, a next step up from just a home workout because it was, you know, it took us weeks to film it. So it wasn't just kind of quick stuff in front of the TV, which everyone's doing. We'd got um, a nicely formulated plan and it was all based again around training from home and not having any equipment. So you could use basic stuff. So weirdly, we, we filmed the stuff. You're ahead of the
2: game. Really sexy yeah.
0: Content that's been really popular uh, this year, we already had. Um, so, definitely use that and repurpose some of that. So, we were, we were quite quick to react there. Um, and I think, to be honest, I, I, and I've said on my, my call this morning with the team, um, you know, just treat them like royalty. We always treat our consumers like royalty. They're sort of the only people in this ecosystem that, that matters. You know, they, they buy our products. So, we've just made sure that they've had um, re- really good deals. We've been doing um, wellness deals, for instance. Like, we, we do a product called Ration Pack, which is a very high end uh, multivitamin pack. Um, you can't get good quality vitamins for love nor money at the moment. There's a huge shortage for obvious reasons, both coming yeah. from China, but also just because everyone's buying more vitamin C and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, we very quickly started to run out of, of ration pack, which is quite an expensive product. It's generally quite a slow moving product for us. Um, again, we we sort of guessed that that's what would happen because vitamins were, were short. And actually, rather than sort of putting the price up which everyone else has done, frankly, um, we gave really great deals um, on, um, on on Ration Pack because it's really important to me that, you know, all of our team have access to it and people have access to sort of good quality multivitamins and minerals. And that's like a four-stage product, which is very comprehensive, that we've been selling for about 25, um, 30 quid. And it's a 50 pound um, retail product. So uh, we've actually gone the other way <laughs> um, in terms of, because one thing I absolutely detest is all the profiteering that's gone on mm. uh, over the last couple of months. In just in any scenario, it just really does uh, grate me because I'm a consumer as well and no one likes being ripped off. So raw ingredient costs have generally gone up and yes, our vitamin costs have gone up, but that doesn't mean to say that you know they haven't gone up to make a A thirty-pound product, sixty pounds, seventy pounds—it's ridiculous. Mm. You know, it might be a cost of like you know thirty quid to thirty-one quid or something like that. So there's a lot of companies that've really, you know, taken the piss. Um, We sort of quickly started to sell out, and again, we've got a we've got a great relationship with the manufacturer of that product, and. um, We've worked with them for years, and they very quickly ramped up for us and made sure that we, um, that, we, that we don't run out, or if we do run out, it's going to be probably for a week or two. Um, but, again, I think that's available on Amazon and grenade.com and stuff as well. Um, so I think, yeah, to generally answer the question in terms of comms, treating your consumers how they should be treated um, you know, good quality content, look after them, don't rip them off. And, and also, I don't like being sold to them. So we yeah. don't really try and sell people things. You know, we, we spoke about this briefly before, didn't we, just before we went on there. Um, I, uh, I just, you know, if certain people have, um, you know, certain problems, whatever they may be, you know, we may make a product that helps solve that problem. Um, and, you know, we as a, a brand job to make um, a consumer aware of that. Um, you know, without, without fat burning there's no such thing as a magic pill but it, it, it's, it provides a solution to lots of um, parts of dieting that we know consumers struggle with in terms of like mm. suppression or whatever so weirdly our, our weight loss sales have gone through the roof
2: okay. uh, mm.
0: you know, just I think as people try and get in shape at home yeah. uh, again this, this has been I think a real period of perspective for health mm. which again, I just don't think it's going to go away and I, no, I can't imagine be being in a better industry than health right now
1: I 100% agree with you. A you know, number of entrepreneurs I've, I've spoken to over the last eight, month or so. And, um, yeah, I think everyone's in agreement with that. Like wellness, health, wellness is, is definitely here to stay. And people have, um, I don't know, maybe it's just the thing about being at, at home and you're know, looking a little bit introspectively for a while and looking at, you know, your own health, like both mentally and physically, of course, as well. And, and adding a bit more focus on that i mean i've certainly done that 100 yeah well it's weirdly as well i spoke
0: to the, the, the local chiropractor near me and she's been had a massive surge of um sort of older people who haven't trained for years <laughs> uh sort of hurting themselves and putting their backs out because they've started training so the government's has you do an, <laughs> an hours exercising <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: so now, so more people are probably training than ever i feel really sorry for the gyms and that that are, that are yeah. shut and again, there's some these should get open quite quickly, to be fair, because there's really sensible, I think, easy ways of yeah. opening some of these gyms where you book sessions, they're socially distanced, you know, equipment's cleaned. You're better off having 50 people a day using your gym than no one using your gym. You know, yeah. you can easily spread some of this stuff out and kind of keep people active, both for physical and mental health, yeah. uh, definitely. But yeah, I think the health stuff's definitely here to say. And whether it's true or not, I saw online yesterday that there's a, there's a possibility. Um, evidence coming out that will suggest that, uh, you know, uh, uh, obesity and uh, corona uh, are, are a bad combination. And it mm. could be one of the reasons as well why, you know, the UK uh, and what obviously as well the US um, has potentially been a higher mortality rate compared uh, to okay. countries which have got healthier lifestyles. Yeah. It could be rubbish, but it yeah. makes
2: sense. That could be Uh,
0: interesting, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, so hopefully this, again, is a bit of a wake-up call for people to probably take better care of themselves.
1: Mm. And tell us um, a little bit about, um, I've seen a couple of posts that you put about the uh, partnership with uh, Ron Dennis at McLaren. And um, remind me, how how many meals are you trying to help out? So, yeah, so Ron Dennis and uh, his foundation
0: made a commitment uh, probably about a month ago to provide a million meals for the NHS over a 12-week period. Um, I didn't know Ron but I knew Ron through someone else and then there's obviously there's the hot food and certain things they want to do there and again they want this to be uh, sort of pretty healthy stuff you know they don't just want kind of um, you know certain brands of energy drinks and things like that Um, so they want they want stuff that's generally healthier so uh, and weirdly, we well, say not weirdly, but um, <laughs> one of the when they spoke to our nurses, and we've heard this quite a lot actually, one of the top items that gets requested uh, from a meal perspective is a protein bar. Right. And um, so he reached out to us as kind of having the biggest protein bar business ah, in Europe, yeah. and um, through a, a friend, and we've got lots of military friends, and they wanted this executed with military precision. And uh, the nice thing was we were kind of doing this anyway for the NHS. So as soon as this kicked off and um, we were, I think, probably one of the first brands I'm aware of. Um, there will have been others, but I think we were one of the first. Uh, to actually, before even lockdown happened, you know, I was sat with my team and um, I said, you know, we, we really need to start giving some products to the NHS here because they're going to be working 12-hour shifts, not eating much and um you know you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want that job mm-hmm. and they do it as well for you know very selflessly for not much money yeah. so uh, weirdly as we were chatting about this um with the team two months ago i had a message on linkedin from a doctor saying we'd, we'd love to get your product and how would we do it and we kind of started with uh, kate running i think her name was and we started with kate um, and it just immediately sort of, so I put a post on LinkedIn and we said like, you know, hospitals, wards, um, you know, contact us because I put, set up a, a grenade email for it. Hello at grenade.com. Said so just send us your details and we're just going to send you stuff, but we have to have someone to sign for it. And it's got to be, um, you know, we don't want to be a pain. You know, we don't want to be pallets of product turning up at hospitals when clearly you've got uh, an influx of patients. So we don't just be yeah. a pain we'd like to help. Um, And I think we sent out just under a thousand sort of very substantial uh, care packages to the NHS anyway, um, which really kind of backlogged our warehouse and kind of got me into trouble a bit because then we were trying to ship products out that people were actually paying for. And um, it was kind of getting pushed to one side because the free stuff was going out the door. So it wasn't the world's best business model, but it felt the right thing to do at the time. Um, so So we were doing that and we were doing as many as we could and we knew we couldn't do it forever. And then Ron popped up. And said, you know, can you support the NHS? And well, actually, we're already doing it, but probably in a smaller way. And your yeah, long story short, we committed to 250,000 additional drinks and bars that were wow. what we'd already given. Um, and I think it was we, we sent, I think, 54 pallets just of grenade energy, uh, uh as well. which again was another product that uh, the uh, nurses and doctors that were asking for. It was like a natural, um. Mm. Energy drink. Um, so, yeah, we've done that, and, and it's, it's going out now through a, a company called Absolute Taste, which Ron used to own, and there's a guy there, Nigel Harris, who's just been fantastic, and he's actually living in the warehouse, and this is entrepreneurial. No. Really? he's living in a warehouse um, 18 hours a day and he's kind of self-isolated isolated from his family I think we said for like for six committed to six months of not seeing his family so they can put together all these food and drink packages and then lots of other brands have got involved now which is fantastic and Yola distributing it all for free and yeah. Uh, yeah I mean what an amazing um, commitment I've never met mm-hmm. Ron, never met Nigel but we've spoken oh before.
1: really oh, wow. yeah,
0: so we're hoping at yeah. some point we might be able to meet um, yeah and I, I, I did steal the Virgin Unite line as well of um, uh, yeah, not accepting the unacceptable. So uh, I think I said something like Corona is very formidable, but so are a group of entrepreneurs. Yes. So we, we decided to we kind of club together and all do our part. And as far as I'm aware, it's, it's, it's doing amazingly well. And then uh, thankfully the hospitals haven't been overrun. But then, you know, after a 10, 12-hour shift, doctors nurses then get a hot meal they, and there's various packs there's, there's there's hot meals to it there and then there's meals they can take away we've put care packages together for um for the for those who are self-isolating so they can have like five days worth of meals mm-hmm. uh, and then there's this fresh fruit in there and uh, that's, that's been donated and, uh, and then obviously yeah we've done sort of protein bars and protein shakes and um, and energy drinks as well um okay. so, um uh, yeah, we're either going to go bankrupt or it's...
2: <laughs> so
1: so it's a vast consciousness, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, when Lion Capital will find out, I won't have a job anymore. <laughs>
1: Well, look, I know you've got to go. Um, last question, I'll just um, finish on. It could be a really quick answer. But Hazel uh, says, Would love to hear about NPD you're working on. Heard you say new flavored energy drinks. I think you just got, is it just the one flavour you've got? Because I've had that. Yes. So we've yes. got
2: one
0: flavour at the moment. And because yeah. it's functional, we like making functional stuff. Because people have said to us before, Why don't you make energy gels and all these things? And to be mm. honest, it's because it's not difficult to make. It's right. the thing kind of clever about putting sugar and caffeine together and putting the gel and kind sort of selling it so we do try and do stuff that's technically harder um which is why i think the bars are doing so well because we spend years on them and our new reload we spent years on it and this energy drink i actually first we first trademarked it in 2012 the energy drink and it's no it worked solidly for eight hours but eight years rather but it's been very difficult to do and yeah we've got the one original flavor of energy drink which is kind of a watermelon type
1: flavor because it just works it's really nice it's really clean I yeah, can't yeah, what the flavour was. It was just really, always like some yeah, kind of tropical... It's, it's
0: uh, the same as watermelon because people wouldn't necessarily buy a watermelon drink, but people yeah. have it and love it, but it kind of tastes familiar. Mm. Um, yeah, so we do that and of course it got branch chains and um, B vitamins and stuff in it. So again, it's our functional go energy where you know our carb bars are our functional sort of um representation of, of chocolate mm. uh so we've and obviously energy drinks are huge so we wanted to try and come up with something which was cleaner which had the benefits then which which didn't have um, some of the nasties in it so we use a natural form of caffeine uh actually called coffee which is patented hmm. um and it's um all this stuff's generally quite expensive and tastes like dirt. So it's really difficult to cover up the taste of this stuff in, a, in an energy drink. So, yeah, we've got that one. We've got a couple more flavours lined up um, because that's been doing very well and obviously it hasn't helped with retail, but we've got a lot of faith in the energy drink and we know it's a big space yeah. and more people just want cleaner, more natural stuff. Mm. Um, so that, that's that been really important. Yes, that's happening this weekend. But, yeah, generally to answer the question, um, I kind of oversee all the NPD, Um with Rob who's got a a team of people Rob's my head of product he's been with us for about 5 or 6 years he's got the best and worst job in the business um, because he has to work with me but no just amazing OCD and um, you know in a nice way and and it's just fantastic the time and effort that goes into making some of this stuff because it looks easy Mm. and it really isn't it, honestly I, i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say it takes years i've just sent actually some um some of our new reload bars over to a friend of mine in the us chris gething and uh, he tried the original reload which again i've sold millions and millions and millions of bars a year but we always knew we could make a better one and it's taken us years to make a better one and he sent me a video message this morning because his his bars arrived in Boise, and he had it on camera for me and he's like i just don't know how you do this <laughs> so it's a gram bar it's got three grams of sugar in and it just tastes like a really, really indulgent um, brownie. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he's like, I just don't. He said, no one in the world makes stuff taste as good as you do. For, you know, and it's for the macros yeah. um, as well. So it, it's it's a lot of work, uh, but it's worth doing. It's worth doing well.
1: So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was uh, one of the uh, most fun. Podcast recordings I've done, along with James Haskell. Funny enough, that was I think the most hilarious one. But really enjoyed it with Al. Um, really appreciate it. appreciated him taking the time of what is crazy busy schedule. Never been busier. Feels like he's in startup mode, and I get it. I do get that. A lot of the. Um, founders, CEOs that I've spoken to over the last six, seven weeks have uh, said similar things, that they feel like they're back in startup mode, that their backs are up against the wall, they're fighting, um, and actually you know, enjoying that part of it, being really hands-on, being really proactive uh, and I totally get that. Myself, you know, a couple of things, you know, regulars to the show will now know. Just launched a brand new website, podprinter.co.uk. Do go and check it out. Um, I've got brand new, um, you know, moved a lot of things online. I've tried to reimagine the future, both personally and work-wise, you know, doing more of what I love and less of what I don't like. That's what my 2020 is all about. Seriously got curtailed, obviously, because part of that was travel. but there are many positives to take away from that so you know as i say i've been reimagining what what i've been doing uh, as well same as a lot of companies um have had to pivot um you know, look at other opportunities. Look at other ways to work. Look at other ways to get their products and services in front of their um, customers, and that's what I've done. So I've, you know, my course was already uh, live. My podcast launch program. I've now um, put my brand new mastermind program on there as well because I've noticed there's there's a sweet spot for people who have already uh, either already creating their podcast or just about to launch or have already launched and are looking to grow, create a community like I've done, then I feel that's where I can add the most value, to be honest with you. So I've launched a mastermind program on there for a limited number of people, just 10 people that I want to coach um, over the next year if that sounds like you, go and have go and have a look at it. Um, and also put everything on there for the podcast agency, which is now called Poprina. Hope you like the name. Give me your feedback. Let me know. Love to know what you think of it. As always, easiest way is just to scroll down on what you're listening to now, click ratings and reviews, and let me know. A um, couple of takeaways for me, uh, you know, Al was focusing on the positives. Me too. Did an episode about three weeks ago now, where I talked about um, positives for me, have been able to refocus my attention uh, on exactly what I've just talked about on reconnecting with people with a lot of old friends now doing you know co-hosting not just crew podcast live episode uh every week and I've loved that reconnecting with old friends from Virgin Atlantic where I worked for 16 and a half years and I left over 10 years ago now so that's been awesome Um, Resources, Podpreneur, my free Facebook group, creating that and now having over 550 members in there, and something like at least half a dozen brand new podcasts have been launched by Podpreneurs in there. And running, rediscovered my love of running. By the time you would have listened to this, I would have gone in six weeks from running a 5K to running over 40K, i.e., a marathon. And I've done that in six weeks. Uh, it just gave me a focus, again, a personal challenge. Um, And look, I just want to finish up on a fun with a PH. Uh, Look, how much fun must it be like to have a boss like Al? Uh, It must be awesome, I have to say. Um, He comes across as a great you know, bag of laughs and great fun, you know, when you when I chat to him, and I'd imagine he's exactly the same to work with, you know, Richard Branson, who I worked for for 16 and a half years, and then I worked with Virgin Startup for another four years, um, you know, stories from back in the day, you know, partying in hotel rooms down route in, in LA and South Africa, the stories I could tell, but I won't until I release my, uh, My autobiography one day, maybe, uh, you know, had some amazing times and he was a hell of a fun person to work for. uh, And I hope he comes out of this crisis far stronger. He's certainly shown some great moves with regards to looking after staff. Uh, Don't believe everything you read in the papers, folks, is my uh, my final word on tonight's podcast. Go and speak to the people who actually work for him, uh, of which I know thousands So without further ado, hope you enjoyed that episode. It's one of my favourites of all time over the last three years. Uh, Really great fun. And as Al said, hopefully we're going to do another one in the next month or so, uh, which we will share with you. Thanks a lot for listening. Have an awesome week. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply, just give me a little time.